here at Blacksburg's third podcast. Um, with me at the office today, so as always, Nurse Gina. That's what we're supposed to call her. Um, so yeah, we've had a, a good week, busy week, lots of stuff. Um, we're going to give you some COVID updates here, and then we're going to talk some about what uh, Virginia's looking at in the next few weeks with Phase 1, Phase 2, Phase 3, and how that's expected to roll out. Um, and there's no experts in the room, so how <laughs> we expect this to roll out. And then um, we're going to talk specifically some about elderly or um, high-risk relatives, friends, mm-hmm. and how this looks so different for them. I'm um, getting a lot of questions about about this and how do I how do I manage that if if I can do whatever I want if I don't have to stay at home anymore in six weeks from now um, um, who do I need to be careful around and how do I need to be careful around them sound good that sounds great so to start us off what um, I think you know kind of the the key facts this week are still 80 cases in the New River Valley 12 hospitalizations, one death, unchanged throughout this whole week. So, um, as was pointed out to me by a friend, before I get too excited about that, realize there's a two-week delay on all this. So, if we've opened elective procedures this week, which we officially have, and I think that has been happening slowly, I didn't, it didn't come racing out of the gate, um, we would not expect to see new cases just yet. So... We'll see what happens in two weeks, so closer to the middle of the month um, with these numbers, but I don't know. I'm encouraged. Um, this seems like a flat curve to me, at least in our area. So so that's the newest from the Virginia Department of um, Health for the New River Valley. Um, this week, we had a... One of the, some of you have seen these. If you haven't, they're interesting. Uh, Virginia or the New River Valley Task Force on this has been doing town hall meetings, um, which are virtual, of course. <laughs> um, so the members of that task force have been um, answering questions and making announcements. And um, So when, anyway, that came out Wednesday night. It was the most recent one. Um, um, it's a long listen. I encourage you to listen to it. So it was... Um, very interesting. I think probably one of the biggest points, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Gina, was you know, we now can test pretty much anyone who thinks they have COVID in the New River Valley. And people in the last couple of days who we've sent to that um, NRV COVID hotline have gotten testing. Um, so um, for those of you who don't know what that looks like, is you call in the hotline, you tell them what's going on. Um, for the majority of people, they're scheduling you to go to one of the drive-through sites. They give you an appointment slot. You drive through. Somebody in an awesome suit walks up to your car window and tortures the back of your nose for a few minutes, for a few seconds. And a couple days later, you get a test. We are all, Another thing they announced on Wednesday night is how quickly we are getting these tests back, and it's much improved from what it was three, four weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to hear local, you know, the a very local approach. Dr. Bissell was on there. It's very informative. Um, another good podcast, I guess you would call it, or interview we heard this week 
was on the JAMA network, so Journal of American Medical Association network. One of their um, docs interviewed Dr. Ann Shuchat, who is um, the principal deputy director for Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. Um, it's about a 25-30 minute interview, um, very to the point, and I, um, very basic, very... Um, Don't you love that? Just nothing sensationalized. Um, she expressed some sincere concerns, some sincere reinsurances, I thought, in, in the course of that, and, and touched on what school will look like in the fall, which of course is a huge deal for a college town, what um, you know, what creating a vaccine looks like, what the current testing options are. You guys have heard some of my skepticism on the antibody testing. She touched on some of that. So if you listen to nothing else, if you're pressed for time, cut us off and go listen to that. Because <laughs> um, it, was, it was pretty good. We wanted to um, discuss what um, Virginia, at least, is going to look like. And, and this is similar in many states, although many are ahead of us a little bit. But you guys have heard us talk about phase one, phase two, phase three. What are those? What? When do these start? These kind of things. So phase one is safer at home, especially if you're vulnerable. Um, there'll be no social gatherings of more than 10 individuals. We'll continue with the social distancing and anybody who's teleworking from home, that would just continue. Face coverings are still going to be recommended in public and um, we'll see easing in some of the limits that are being imposed on businesses and faith communities right now. Right. So to, you know, that stay at home changes to safer at home mm -hmm. okay right <laughs> um which is nuanced but um okay so you know i think in a businesses they're saying physical distancing will continue everything is still needs to be extra clean extra disinfected you know enhanced workplace safety gene had mentioned you know this is going to look like customers and workers will be in different places. We've been joking about these chunks of plastic hanging up in front of the cash registers everywhere. Right. Those guys are staying there. So. Okay. Phase two, on the other hand, where it'll be a stay at home, but specific to the vulnerable populations. Right. And the social gatherings will be restricted to no more than 50. But there'll be continued social distancing. People will still be teleworking from home. Face coverings will be recommended in public and even more easing of businesses as far as limitations. Right, and time, right? So mm -hmm. next week we're talking about phase one, which could last two to four weeks. And then phase two, which could last another two to four weeks. Mm -hmm. So you know we're into June, way into June. Um, it, we wouldn't get to move into phase three until there's no evidence of a rebound for a sustained right. period of time. Phase three is going to look at like safer at home for vulnerable populations still. We would remove the ban on social gatherings completely, remove capacity limits within establishments, and continue with that heightened cleaning and disinfection of anything and everything and any possible other measures. And phase three could be 10 to 12 weeks away or more. Right, right. So we've got to get through the other two phases, and they could take, you know, potentially more than two to four weeks. So, yeah. 
you're still going to be going to the CDC site or the Virginia Department of Health site, right? And looking at those graphs because those graphs still really matter. And um, if you go to governor.virginia.gov, I think, um, you can actually see Governor Northam's, like the PowerPoint he used when he presented this. Um, uh, the videos and stuff are on there and get a really good idea of it's very clean and logical and how they're making the decision they're making here, what data they're using. So, um, it's good to know. Very good to know. Um, I think it's, it's a reality, I guess, is the way to look at it. So, okay, so now, so if, that, if that's what everybody else is doing, let's talk about our more vulnerable populations. The so, elderly. Yeah. So, um, so let me just pose it like this. So I'm coming to DPC at Blacksburg. My mother lives in a local long-term care facility. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just leave it at that. You, we know, you know nothing else about <laughs> this mother. Obviously, Jean and I would ask you a lot more questions about her particular risk. But if I just know that, mm-hmm. um, what, 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 are we, what are we telling that, that patient? You know? Well, for one thing... Um, we do know that in the elderly that fever, cough, and dyspnea, which we call shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, are still the main characteristics that are manifested, being manifested in the elderly population. However, what's interesting is fatigue um, mm-hmm. and just a, a lack of general interest has also been apparently seen with COVID-positive mm-hmm. patients, an increase in falls, confusion, um, diarrhea at times, um, mm-hmm. new onset diarrhea, right, without cause, just out of the blue. Um, so things like that. And, and as far as healthcare, apparently they've detected COVID based on a few people's different lab results. So even just by happening to draw their labs, they've seen that they've noticed some changes within their, you know, their white blood cells and their thromocytes and some of the inflammatory markers that that we might not so, see. So somebody that just had routine blood work. Exactly. Something was off. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. And they tested them for COVID and they ended up being positive, yeah. uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, well, that's a good point for those of you who, you know, Gina and I have worked in healthcare for a long time, but um, elderly people prevent present with simple things like a urinary tract infection, an upper respiratory infection, <laughs> mm-hmm. as the case may be, um, very, very differently than teenagers. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, as far as some of the other issues that I think are super interesting involve stress and coping, and mm-hmm. we underestimate the impact of stress on the elderly mm-hmm. from COVID. Um, so... They worry, apparently. They experience fear and worry in a different way than the general population does, it seems. And sometimes that's manifested by changes in their sleep or eating patterns. Definitely difficulty sleeping and staying asleep for any lengthy period of time, right? Um, Sometimes changes in their concentration and just worsening of their chronic health problems in general. We, we also shouldn't make the assumption that elder, the elderly people don't, you know, that the elderly population doesn't drink because there has been an increased use of alcohol noted throughout COVID, even in the general population, but also among the elderly. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, think about it. They, um, all these things we're looking at in Virginia with the phase changes and openings and, you know, as everyone's kind of building, I think in Blacksburg, more confidence that, oh, the end of the world hasn't happened. <laughs> you know, this doesn't feel real for a lot of people here because we've had such a flat curve here. Um, you know, elderly people next door to you don't have that same reassurance. Mm-hmm. You know, they're looking at being locked down for a long time, potentially, with nobody willing to say, yeah, by the end of the summer, this is going to be hunky-dory, we'll all be out of it, you know. Um, so so let me ask yeah. you some questions. Yeah. If I call you, say mm-hmm. I'm one of your patients and I'm concerned about one of my loved ones and I, I say, hey, you know, I've noticed that my 86-year-old aunt is crying excessively. Like I've never really seen her, you know, where I she just calls me and she might be talking about something and the next thing I know she's crying. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, this goes back to kind of what we talked about last week mm-hmm. with um, interpreting mental health signs mm-hmm. in people that may or may not be communicating that um, for whatever reason, you know, it doesn't have to be um, necessarily that they have dementia or, or these, I mean, they don't feel comfortable sharing what, mm-hmm. what what's going on necessarily. So, um, right, a lot less verbal population, would you agree? Right, right. And, you know, by definition of this example, somebody from a different generation than, than you or I. So mm-hmm. um, I think we need to lean into some of that and do some exploring. Um, Don't you showing... think it's easier to miss mental health concerns among the elderly? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and studies have shown that they are often <laughs> um, horribly underestimated and missed. Um, and... So, so yeah, lots of grace, lots of grace for, you know, changes in behavior that seem, you know, for, you know, even combativeness or argumentativeness or, you know, why, why are we fighting about this again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's, let's lean into what that person is going through and what, what stressors are occurring in that, in that relationship. So you might have to re- repeat yourself a lot, right? Yeah. Kind of abso- like what absolutely. you have to do with me. <laughs> right right no, absolutely so. thank you Dr. Matt um, um, what What about what do you think about some other things like um, the social isolation that the elderly are having to deal with how do you help them somebody who lives alone or is just completely so limited and restricted mm-hmm. from being able to be around other people right now yeah, I think we need to be, um, you know, you got to be creative. Mm-hmm. I think um, for at least some of this population, mm-hmm. the technology can be an awesome thing. Sure, it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge for them to master an iPhone or um, figure out Zoom, but um, we can figure out ways to make that happen. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know that that if 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 you have FaceTime with this person's or what I mean by is real person personal interaction with this person, use that time to set them up to succeed with some ways to reach out, whether that's even just phone calls, um, be checking in with them, um, sending pictures. You know, days can get very long if you're if you're isolated by yourself. Do and you 
Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, and, and then if you spend the time to understand how this disease is transmitted, um, it's mostly droplet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, it, so if, you're, if you have appropriate masks and you're doing the right things, you know, there are ways that you can. You don't, I don't want to see people using COVID as an excuse to not go interact with elderly relatives mm-hmm. or at-risk relatives. You know, this is a time they need us more than ever, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so understanding, rather than just put a big old wall of fear up, you know, understanding, you know, talking through a screen door with face coverings on, it's probably okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Totally. You know, um, dropping food off, you mm-hmm. know, wipe, you know, so this can be transmitted by fomites, ostens- mm-hmm. you know, but much less risk of that mm-hmm. than person-to-person droplet transmission, okay? So, so there's no reason not to take a creative goodies and drop it off so you know you're bringing up a great point and that is guilt right right the elderly have guilt if loved ones if loved ones help them with activities Mm -hmm. of daily living and they're particularly bad about asking for help so you know if you're waiting for your grandfather or grandmother or elderly friend across the street to say hey um do you have time to just come over and visit me, it's not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. We see the same things with those who right. are going through death and dying, right, and grief, right. that people who are grieving do not tend to help. Um, they do not tend to ask for help, right? They don't. They just don't. They are guilty. They they don't even want it. And the same is true for a lot of the elderly where they just don't want to. They know that you're busy already. Mm-hmm. They don't want to impose, right? Um, well, and the flip is true, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, children have guilt about not visiting their parents <laughs> because, um, you know, life races on, life is fast. You know, when you're in the middle of your life, you have kids, you have jobs and careers and these kind of things. And, you know, it can become a cloud hanging over you. And, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, we've said before, you know, guilt and shame. What, what, what are the differences here? Mm-hmm. You know, am I feeling guilty because something's actually wrong and I should be doing something differently? Right. Well, yeah. You should be feeling guilty. The right. only way you're going to address that is by doing the right thing. Right. Am I feeling shame because I've blown this out of proportion in my mind and I, you know, no, I'm not, I don't want to be putting that on people. And the goal of this discussion right here is not to shame people. It's, mm-hmm. it's to I- evaluate what's going on. You know, are there things I could do? I should do them. Let's do them. Um, so anyway. Right. A little bit of a tangent you know, there, but yeah. The other thing is we we forget that our elderly population tend to live on a lower income household, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Many of them have language barriers, especially around here where we have a large international population. If elderly are home a lot of times, right, there's that language barrier. What do you have to say about that? You know, even the lower income, we know that health disparities really show up in this, what the medical world says. Yeah, and... and, and and that's, you know, um, I think we just need to recognize that as inevitable. That is happening. Mm-hmm. That This is not a political comment. Um, people at in lower socioeconomic circles will have less education about COVID, less access to testing for COVID, less access to reliable information about COVID. Um, it's just... Um, less resources to isolate you know isolating isn't necessarily 
cheap, you know, for some people. It's, it, it, you know, if you live in a household with a lot of people in your house, you can't just, you know, get a hotel room. Um, so, um, so just, I, I mean, I think the, it, it takes conscientious thinking on the part of those that are, myself included, that have resources, should be thankful, should be thinking of those that don't. Mm, I like that. I think there's some things that you can do to help keep your loved one safe, too. I've heard that it's important to know what medications your loved one is on, right? Right. And to help them make sure that they have that supply um, of prescriptions and over-the-counter medications because we know the elderly feel safer when they have access to that. They, Mm -hmm. They see that as their lifeline on some level. And sometimes we forget about the need to have a backup plan, but for them, that's that's what they're thinking about. What's my backup plan, you know? Am I stocked up on canned foods and dried beans and, and pasta? You know, how will I get food? I know these are some of the things that uh, when we read, we see this, right? Yeah, and you got to tactfully ask the right questions, mm-hmm. you know? In your mind, you're thinking, okay, what is this person's calorie intake over the past week? You know, mm-hmm. that's probably not how you're going to ask. But you got to know that, you know. Do you actually have enough stuff there? Okay, have you, you know, maybe they weren't able to plan very far ahead, mm-hmm. you know. Or maybe they they bought what they, like all of us, bought what they thought they would need and it wasn't what they <laughs> really needed or, or at least something was left out, you know. So that may be sacrificial, saying, hey, I've got toilet paper, I'm bringing it over, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, right. I've, I've got a case of ramen here, I'll split it with you. <laughs> wow, I didn't know you were willing to give up any of your ramen, Dr. Matt. <laughs> Gina knows I like my, my ramen All lunches. I know is when this COVID thing just first started, right, I was mm. thinking, where were we going to get masks? Right. Where are we going to get our gloves from? Where are we going right. to get our protective wear? And... You were thinking, where do we get our ramen from? <laughs> where do we get, you know, where do we get these China, other essentials? China. We get it from China. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, another thing is, I think people forget that there's an emotional reaction to coming out of quarantine, right? Sure. Where you kind of have this mixed emotion. Um, you have the relief after the quarantine, but yet in our case, we know it's still there, right? Right. How do you process that? Well, and I've been saying, Gina and I have both have been saying this um, in many contexts for the past few weeks. You know, you got to remember the goal of the the goal of the quarantine and the lockdown and the stay at home order, whatever you want to call this, was to flatten the curve, and we were mm-hmm. like amazingly successful at that in our area, True. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but one consequence of that is, and you know, even in places like New York City where they had a pretty sincere outbreak, um, if you look at the numbers, the vast majority of the population has not been exposed to COVID yet. There is not a reservoir of antibodies walking around. You know, we, you know, we've had 80 cases out of, you know, what, 200,000 people mm-hmm. in our health district? That's a good so, point. So, you know, let's say there were others that weren't picked up. That's the hope. That's what we all want. But we don't have evidence of that. We really don't. And even even if even if conservative estimates, if a lot of people had it and we missed it, um, that's still not... You look at the, the bulk of the population. So, so, you know, back to our discussion here. I'm at home. I have a history of COPD. I'm at home. 
I, you know, I'm 90 years old. I'm at home. I, um, you know, have heart disease and I'm on multiple medications for, you know, I've had a couple heart attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going out is still <laughs> every bit of a risk as much as it was. I'm still watching that curve. You know, I'm still watching to see where that curve hits. Mm-hmm. So it's not over. Um, and the, o- the only way that we get immunity right now is getting is people getting sick um and it's to a certain extent gonna have to happen is young healthy people are gonna have to get sick get over it and build immunity so that this disease actually burns out so i know i've heard you talk about the need and the practice for us to be resilient you know and by that i think what i've gotten from you is that we need to be able to demonstrate the ability to withstand and show that um, we can recover from the stressors that are related to that. I know one of the ways we've done that is by maintaining the privacy and confidentiality of anyone that has contacted our office about concerns regarding being COVID positive or having been exposed. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you spend a lot of time communicating about not only the risk, but the lack of risk, right? Um, in regards to certain products or people or going places. And it's been kind of challenging, hasn't it, for you to raise awareness about COVID without increasing fear? I know you've voiced that a few times, right? Where you want people to know about it, but you want to do everything in your power to make sure that people aren't fearful, uh, especially based on something you would share. True? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is hard to talk about like just the sentence, the little paragraph I just shared about mm-hmm. the fact that people, the only way we know of building immunity right now is disease is getting disease. I mean that's kind of a scary thought. Um, I think you got to pair that with well, the flip of that is, um, you know, people who are isolating and doing the right things. Your chances of getting it are much 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 lower. These these measures work. You know we've had you know, eight hospitalizations in our whole New River Valley Health District. That's, that's amazing. I mean, look around the world. Um, it's been much worse. So I, um, um, it's tough, it's hard, but I think honest, not to get preachy here, but truth drives out fear. So if you're honestly communicating Mm -hmm. facts to people in a caring way, and, and we're talking about elderly relatives here, you know, honestly communicating what we know about this, um, that should be and could be and can be, if you do it right, bolstering, encouraging, <laughs> um, grounding. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, there's there's extremes here. There's a lot of comfort right in the middle. There really, really is, you know, and I, I've I've enjoyed my, you know, speculations here and there and you know well what if this is going on you know but when I don't have facts to back it up I need to come away from that at least with my rational logical center and say you know yeah this probably isn't a deep state conspiracy but this also probably isn't the end of the world you know human nature what we know about how the world works for me adequately explains what we're going through and what we're dealing with and that's comforting. Do you think it's valuable to spend time with the elderly and ask them to pick someone to be their healthcare decision maker? Do you think that that would yes. lend peace? Yes, 
and and yeah, mm-hmm. know what medications they're taking. Absolutely, know where they're getting their medications, where they're getting next month's supply of their medications. Mm-hmm. Know how their activities of daily living are changing in all of this. Mm-hmm. Where their calories are coming from, where their hydration is coming from. You know, you think about toileting, toileting needs, all these kind of things. Where are you know who if something comes up, how are they going to get help? Mm-hmm. You know who are you know because normal channels have changed, um, and absolutely, who's making medical decisions for them? And is that are these decisions going to have to be made remotely? If you get admitted to our local hospital here right now, you know your wife doesn't get to come in with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean that's how strict they're being right now. So, so that takes me to my next yeah. point. What about talking? Do you think it, it's and sometimes, like I said, this is not, it's a cultural thing. So if I'm your, I mean, we're 20 years apart in age, right? And there's still, we tend to forget this, but there's even cultural differences between you and I mm-hmm. that come up in the strangest of ways at time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think the elderly, even though they may be thinking it, they're not going to say, like, like I might say to you, Hey, this is what matters most to me. If I, you know, if I um, become COVID positive, what matters most to me? You know, it's probably that somebody is there to reassure my husband who has zero background in medicine. You know what I mean? Where it might be really difficult for him to navigate his way through understanding Mm -hmm. medical terminology or understanding exactly what's going on with me, my children, but... Do you think that it's valuable to get with that person and say, talk to them if they're elderly and say, what are some of their concerns? What matters most to them? Yeah, I think, I think I've been surprised mm-hmm. at the maturity and resiliency of people who've been through hard things before that mm-hmm. I haven't, that have right. seen end-of-the-world scenarios before. I grew up during the Great Depression, right? right? And, and who aren't really that flabbergasted by this, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're anxious about, you know short-term things but but they're um i mean this anything that brings older people in contact with younger people has to be a good thing for both parties i love that um it is helpful to to bring these two cultures or generations together and help each other and i think um, we got to be very careful as younger people with ageism and thinking, well, these are resourceful people that have lived long, successful lives, and you know, right. are, they're sharp, you know, and you know, they're they're sitting there laughing at our decision making, probably, in some cases. So we we need to we need to interact, and it's going to take creativity to I make. I mean, that I know happen, we have some elderly patients in yeah. our practice that I almost have to schedule you a two-hour visit because <laughs> you get so excited when you know they're coming in. That I know this is going to be a very long, long <laughs> visit, <laughs> and it and it may every time you know it's like after they leave, you're like, wow, that was just such a blessing. Or gosh, I just wish I could have had a recording of that to where I could listen to it. I learned so much, or I felt so good when I was talking to that person. I know I feel that way when I talk to some of the elderly people that I come into contact with. You know. Yeah, that's been for a long time. One mm-hmm. of my, my favorite things is doing the house calls with older people, and we haven't been able to do that, right? So, I know, right? Um, but Well, thanks for giving us this brief you know, discussion 
um, about COVID-19 and conversations with the elderly. Um, I think it's been helpful. I know I've learned a little bit through it, and hopefully it's been a blessing to other people. Yeah, so two quick announcements. We are going to be working this week to post our podcast through our website, um, which should make it easier for some of you that had problems. Um, I, we kind of um, bogged down the squares or the um, SoundCloud site. Everybody hit it at the same time. Um, and so we're going to make some improvements there. Watch out for that. And then to our patients here in Blacksburg, we are making some changes to our prescription refills. Um, we spend a lot of time chasing our tail with pharmacy refill requests. Um, if you think of it and you can do this, contact us directly for those prescription refills. Send us a text, send us an email, um, and let's leave the pharmacy out of this some of the time. Right. <laughs> no have, mercy to on the pharmacy. <laughs> have mercy on the pharmacy. Um, you know, we can, it, take, it just cuts out a few steps and makes it cleaner. So we've been spreading that word as things have come up, but we want to um, um, kind of do that officially. Um, if you have questions about that, let us know. Um, we're prepared for a time of transition here, but mm-hmm. you know, if you're getting close, you got a week or two left. You, you, there's no no time is too early. <laughs> you know, say hey, I need to get a refill scheduled. So, um, yeah, that's so helpful. We look forward to seeing all of y'all. We are, you know, we picked up even more this week with the number of visits we were able to see. So, um, let us know how we can help. Mm-hmm.